All right, then. Come on in, everybody. Excited to have you. This should be a good one. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. The music's blaring. The sun is heating up. The quarantine continues, although people are soft opening up, right? Depending where you're living, be it the Midwest, be it Texas, Georgia, Florida, where they didn't really quarantine in the first place, California, New York. I do, of course, hope everyone is safe, and I, of course, welcome you all in for another edition of the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. I am Jonas Nordman, surviving, thriving, well, I wouldn't say thriving, but surviving. Surviving is a good way to put it. College basketball got ended prematurely, but the beat goes on for us here at Believe. Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? You want to advertise? Go to believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Click advertising and start that cash flow, baby. Again, hope everyone's doing well. Interesting day. I'm sitting here recording on Wednesday, May 13th, halfway home in this fifth month of the year. My favorite football team is getting mocked roundly for their logo and now their uniforms. I cracked my phone screen yesterday, so needless to say, I'm fired up, and I'm going to take that aggression out in today's episode. So it's going to be a pretty recruiting-heavy show today. Some recruiting news coming out this week. Um, I'm going to take on the fact that college basketball is dying, apparently. I know that's sort of a topic from a week or two ago, but it feels relevant, especially with all the recruiting news. Maybe going to touch on Coach K's Zion, the whole nine yards. Turns out the Duke Brotherhood really is no better than anyone out there. Oh, we have text messages from Curtis Townsend and Bill Self. And Adidas saying that Zion could get $20,000 or, or whatever it was to go to Kansas, but he just went to Duke for free. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, so let's get to it. I, I'm going to get to this now because I am fired up and because I just want to take out some aggression and some losers, if you, if you will. So if you type in, and this is all basically stemming from Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd decommitting from Michigan to go to the G League. And I, I'm going to butcher his first name, Dyson, Dacian, D-A-I-S-H-E-N, Knicks. Top-ranked point guard recruit was going to go to UCLA. Decommitted, going to go to the G League. There's another player, like a Filipino player, who's going to skip college, go straight to the G League. And oh boy, looks like college basketball is dying, right? Great timing on our part. Join in the Believe in Jayhawks program, teams number one, presumptive favorites to be the national champions. Big 12 tournament, (laughs) NCAA March Madness get canceled. Whatever, it is what it is. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I can survive. We still had content, right? But here come the articles. Sports Business Daily. This is just from a day ago. A reinforced NBA G League poses serious threat to college basketball. Sports Illustrated, just two days ago. This isn't even when Jalen Green and all those guys initially committed. NBA G League could soon surpass college basketball in star power. NBA G League threatening college basketball or enhancing it. So, 
I guess college basketball is about to die too. We're going to have to watch these scrubs play college basketball. We've never seen this before. This is unprecedented. College basketball is on its last licks. Oh, wait a second. Here's an article I pulled up from 2008. Brandon Jennings poised to destroy NBA college one-year rule. The start of an NCAA trend. Brandon Jennings to Europe. The start of an NCAA trend. This is from Field Yates on Bleacher Report. I didn't realize he started there. He's now at ESPN. July 22nd, 2008. Well, here we are in 2020. College basketball, while not the number one product in America, seems to be doing okay. So I'm also going to throw a a few more facts out there why I think college basketball is going to do just fine. Why I don't think this G League initiative trend really is going to do much to college basketball. And why I actually don't think it's wise for these players to go for the cash in now as opposed to playing the long game. Let me start with the caveat. I believe the players should get what they deserve. I believe that if they're being used for jersey sales, images, you know, I, I have no problem with the teenager. I have no problem with a family cashing in on their on their likeness, on what they deserve, right? These players should be compensated for their value. You know, I don't I'm not necessarily saying that's NCAA paying players, you know, that's for people who are more intelligent than me to figure out. But I don't begrudge people for cashing in. If Jalen Green, if Dacian Nix and Isaiah Todd feel that this is the best move for them, and if this is the best move for their family, great. I am not begrudging them, but this is more of a viewpoint that college basketball will be fine and why, and why I should say, excuse me, I still believe going the college basketball route is more beneficial. So let me start all the way back in 2008. The one-and-done rule was implemented. We saw some of these players skip college altogether. We thought the one-and-done rule might actually ruin college basketball because we're not really going to get to know these guys. It's going to ruin programs because they're going to have one generational talent, and he'll be gone the next year. I think Texas is fine with having Kevin Durant for one year. I think Memphis, despite the academic scandal that came with him, appreciated Derrick Rose. Kentucky seems to be doing pretty darn well ever since that one-and-done rule came, came through. I don't know, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, a transcendent player, Trey Lyles, all the rest that I'm forgetting, Brandon Knight. <laughs> and I know I didn't even scratch the surface on the one-and-done players that went through Kentucky. Then again, there was Kansas, right? Xavier Henry, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, I think I think we're pretty good with the one and dones ourselves. Joel Embiid. We talked about the Icon series a couple of weeks ago. So the one and done rule hasn't ruined college basketball either. Quite the opposite. Duke also, I think, would appreciate it. Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow. I'm rambling. So ever since the one and done rule got implemented, we have seen a handful of players say, you know what? I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go get paid. 
I'm going to go play overseas. In some cases, they have just signed with like New Balance. There's a player I think I'm about to mention who just signed with New Balance and trained and got ready. We saw this with James Wiseman technically this past year at Memphis. Played, what, like four games? Was dealing with the NCAA and its nonsense and said, you know what? I'm going to sit back. I'm just going to train. I'm going to get paid right now. I'm going to go with an agency. They're going to get me ready for the draft. And James Wiseman will probably still be a top five pick. But it doesn't always work out for these kids. And who says the competition overseas, even though you're playing against full-grown adults and you're getting paid, is better than going to the Big 12, the Big 10, playing on national TV, and going through the grindhouse of a college basketball season? Brandon Jennings, the guy who started it all, 2008, drafted in 2009, was going to go to Arizona out of Oak Hill, where Carmelo went, many others. He did make the all-rookie first team. Brandon Jennings did have a solid career, but he made the all-rookie first team, and that's it in terms of accolades. I thought he might have actually had like an all-star game in there or something along those lines. No. Good, solid career. Played his last NBA season in 2018, but not a superstar. Maybe undersized. And again, there's mitigating factors in every single example. But my point is that when you go overseas, it doesn't mean you're making yourself better. Jeremy Tyler, who exactly? Spurned Louisville, played in just 80 NBA games, not even a full season combined. Hasn't played in the NBA since 2014. Emmanuel Moutier. That name might actually ring a bell for some people. He was the number two recruit in the nation behind Jaleel Okafor, 2014. Again, one and done, won a national championship at Duke. He was going to go to SMU. I believe he was going to play under Larry Brown. There may have been issues at SMU under Larry Brown. Go figure. Tends to follow him. And Emmanuel Moutier did still get drafted number seven in the 2015 draft. Although, compare again, hype versus production. You know, Emmanuel Moutier didn't necessarily get the competition he needed before going to the NBA. His career... Averages about 11.8 points per game. Has already been traded from Denver to the Knicks. So, you know, when you're on the Knicks, well, you're getting paid at least. He did average a career-high 14.8 points per game, though. So, Moutier, young in his career. This may be some way we look back and say, super talented, may not have mattered regardless of what happened. Terrence Ferguson. Who? He is currently in the NBA, the number 16 recruit. A couple years ago, still got drafted number 21 to Oklahoma City. He's a guy who went, I believe, to New Zealand to play. He plays. He's a role player for Oklahoma City. Averages about 4.9 points per game, though. So this is not a superstar. This is a guy who was drafted in the first round is not a superstar. That's generally not great value, even if it is towards the bottom of the first round. And we'll see about RJ Hampton. He was like a top five recruit last year, right? Was going to go to Kansas. But then he decided to instead get paid, go overseas. He did play in New Zealand for the Breakers. I believe he's supposed to still go mid-first round. Again, we will see how his career pans out. But of all those names, how many all-NBA performers did I just throw out there? And the percentages are not great. It's a low number of players. When you have a whole history's worth 
of one and dones and college players, you're obviously going to get more superstars. But the idea was Brandon Jennings is ruining the NCAA because he's going to go get paid, play against adults. He's going to come back. He'll be more seasoned. And it, it just frankly didn't work out like that for any of these guys. And I'm not including Leandro Ball or, or even LaMelo Ball. LaMelo will be picked like top five. He never really had a chance to play in college because of what happened with his family. He was getting endorsement money and had his own shoe when he was like 15. So he doesn't really fall into this category. So that's one reason. Just pure competition. Just pure, are you really going to get that much better by going to the G League even and playing against college washouts, college all-star teams, not even that. My next point is exposure. So, I used Isaiah Todd as an example for this. This is the kid that was going to go to Michigan. He decommitted, and he's going to play in the G League. Perhaps he and Jalen Green and Knicks will bring more eyeballs to the G League, but for the time being, here is the raw numbers on your exposure, on your ability to get hyped up, which is half the battle when going into the draft and signing contracts and shoe deals. So for a random Michigan basketball game, Michigan, of course, major football school, solid basketball program that's actually had more success than the football program in recent years. But this is from December 12th, excuse me, this is from December 11th, 12-11, 2019. In the dead of winter, Still during football bowl season, this was Michigan versus Illinois. Again, two solid basketball teams this past college basketball season. But this was also on the Big Ten Network, not even ESPN, not even Fox Sports, CBS. This is something you need to pay for. This is an extra add-on to your sports package. Michigan versus Illinois on the Big Ten Network in the midst of bowl season, in the holidays, and still got... Almost half a million viewers, 447,760 viewers for Michigan versus Illinois college basketball. In terms of the G League, honestly, whoever's listening to this right now, I know I preach fan interaction. I would love for whoever's listening to this right now to write into me at JonasN310 on Instagram and just tell me if you've watched one full G League basketball game ever. I will take someone writing in and saying that they've watched a quarter. I just want to know of the people listening to this, who has ever watched G league basketball or when it was still the D league and they sold out the naming rights, to the league to Gatorade, thus the G league pretty baller move though. I'll give them that. I'm guessing nobody that's listening has watched Otherwise, the G League wouldn't have gone through these measures. Just recently, the G League turned to Daily Motion and Twitch for broadcasts just last year. Those are two different streaming services, meaning that they need to figure out ways to get eyeballs on their product. Generally, when you have these press releases, they say Twitch broadcasts out to 30,000, you know, or that has millions of users, blah, blah, blah. That's saying... We need more people to be watching, so here's a, a new medium to try to get it. People aren't tuning in to watch the G League. We need to go online and have it streamed. And that's just sort of middle of the road, 
you know, that's a standard Big Ten conference game in the dead of the holiday season. When you go to the extremes, it's not even close. Here's the extreme in terms of college basketball viewership. Zion Williamson, North Carolina, in Durham, 4.3 million viewers on ESPN for that game. I'm willing to bet that every G League game ever, this is going to be preposterous and a bit overblown, but you know what? Whatever. Every G League viewership ever has not totaled 4.3 million viewers. That's probably not true. Sue me. In fact, the hype around Zion Williamson, starting in high school, of course, going to Duke where he was broadcast on major networks, and we got oversaturated, sure, but it caused some guy named Barack to show up to that game in Durham. And then he blew out his Nike shoe, and it was a headline for the rest of the week. Remember that, that scene when the New Orleans Pelicans won the, the NBA lottery, thus guaranteeing they would have first crack at drafting Zion Williamson? Remember that scene of the people back in New Orleans celebrating in the, in the Pelicans' headquarters? They announce who, won, who wins the lottery, and they're going, yeah, whoa! And now it's a meme, and it's used by everybody to sort of show celebrations. If you weren't aware, that's their sales team in that video. Yeah, that, that was the sales team for the New Orleans Pelicans celebrating like it was the end of World War II. They knew with the hype and the eyeballs that have been on Zion that they were about to have a cash, a cash cow and their commissions were about to go sky high. Even if Jalen Green is amazing, something tells me the team that wins the lottery and gets the chance to potentially draft Jalen Green Number one, if he ends up being that pro, if he ends up being that prize, I, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? The carrot at the end of the stick. There's not going to be any celebrations in the sales offices. It'll be cool. They'll pitch the future, but they're not going to explode over it. So I don't I don't think college basketball is dying. We've seen a kid spurn the G League. In fact, Greg Brown he's going to go to Texas instead. All you got to do is look at, the, uh, look at the past to look forward to the future. College basketball did not die in 2008 when Brandon Jennings went to Italy, learned to make his own pizza, took fine arts courses in Florence. I think the only way that this really ruins college basketball is, yeah, if, if those paydays are more than worth it. But... We'll see what happens with Dacian Nix. We'll see what happens with Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, this Filipino kid. And as their futures progress and as their careers progress, will it be a a short-term investment and will they have long-term growth and gains? Or will it be this short-term, we got our short-term payday and it didn't necessarily grow itself out down the future? Let me know if I'm being ridiculous. It's a distinct possibility. But part of the reason why Zion got drafted first overall, really good player, don't get me wrong. But if he didn't have that hype, don't you think John Morant probably would have been drafted first overall? Different circumstances again. 
New Orleans was on the verge of trading for Lonzo Ball as they traded Anthony Davis. But to guard league, he was the best point guard. I believe R.J. Barrett, also out of Duke, the Canadian, was the number one ranked player coming out of high school. But he didn't have the highlight tapes. He didn't have the oversaturation from ESPN, did he? And he fell, well, he fell to the Knicks. So he really didn't win out. Anyways, let's continue with the recruiting train. Jonas Nordman, believe in Jayhawks basketball program. Again, let me know if I'm being ridiculous. If you disagree, if you think that, I I might as well just switch to the believe in G League program. No, thanks. (laughs) All right. I said it was a big week in terms of recruiting, specifically for the University of Kansas. First commit for 2021 out of Sunrise Christian, the number 34 ranked, and this is all based off 24-7 sports, which I believe to be the most reputable at the moment, recruiting service in terms of predictions, rankings, the whole nine yards, football and basketball. Number 34 prospect recruit, four-star, 6'9", 6'10", depending where you look, 210 pounds. He has committed to the Jayhawks. Nice. Really cool. And uh, and I'll get to it in just a second. Uh, If you do subscribe to The Athletic, I bring it up all the time. Uh, CJ Moore wrote an article just yesterday about Zach Clements, about his connection with Brett Brown, or yeah, Brett Brown, the the current coach, the Philadelphia 76ers, his growth, why it was a really good fit for Clements to come to KU. This is a stretch forward, a classic stretch forward in today's modern game who has really mastered the long-range shot and will be a really good fit into essentially the four-guard lineup that Bill Self is now implementing. And it'll allow KU to be a little bit more traditional while still spacing the floor because he may be the power forward or maybe even a small ball center, but he'll be on the outside shooting threes. And if he works on his inside game, if he gets stronger, which CJ Moore says is something he needs to work on, his upper body strength and putting more weight on, then this could be a really good tool and a really good player for the Jayhawks, certainly for one year, maybe two or three, another program guy. Uh, In terms of sometimes the best way to judge a recruit and their ability and their viability is to see where he didn't go. So he was also being courted by Ohio State, excuse me, the Ohio State University. Oklahoma State, which has picked it up on the recruiting trail recently. Baylor. We don't think of him as a traditional power, but hey, number one team for much of the year, and Arkansas. So there's some big programs in there, all of them high majors. Ohio State, a lot of cachet to it. Oklahoma State, bringing the recruiting thunder. Baylor, Scott Drew, wines and dines with the best of them, and Arkansas, whatever. So this is a, this is a tool, and this is really encouraging, especially in a week or within seven days when those NCAA responses came out. But this may not even be the biggest part of this commitment. As I scroll up 24-7's rankings for 2021. Oh, there's someone going to Stanford. How about that? Purdue, not interested. Oh, what do you know at number 16? Five-star player, the number one player, in the state of Kansas, actually, because Sunrise Christian is in Wichita. And 24-7 has him at 100% prediction. He has not committed or said anything, but they 100% believe that Kendall Brown 
the number 16 player on 24-7's rankings, will be a Jayhawk. So why is Clement such a big deal committing? Because he is roommates and really good friends with Kendall Brown. Brown is apparently choosing between KU, Marquette, Arkansas, Minnesota, also Ohio State. So Arkansas and Ohio State clearly trying for the tandem as well. And when I saw this, Kendall Brown, 6'7", 205 pounds. I, of course, had to go to YouTube, right, and see some highlights of Kendall Brown. And he's an athlete. Kid cannot shoot right now, but he hasn't committed, and he's still about to be a high school senior, although who knows what's going to happen with the world, right, in college basketball and high school basketball. But he floats, and he's a really creative player. And he looks like a talent. And if KU can package the two, then the beat will roll on, right? So really interesting here. And also, I like the early commitment, and I like seeing these top players committing right now in the wake of what's happening with the NCAA. Because you know the questions are coming up. In fact, Clemens mentions that in the article written by C.J. Moore on The Athletic. It was addressed. They talked with Norm Roberts. They talked with Bill Self. Uh, Norm Roberts really heading the tip of the spear in terms of recruitment for Zach Clements. He apparently feels comfortable with what he was told. And hopefully that uh, bears out for Kendall Brown as well. There's also a couple other recruits still available within the top 10, top 15. It doesn't look like KU is on their radar. But something to keep in mind. We are right up against it right now. Man, just because college basketball got cut down in front of us, right, doesn't mean we haven't had content. Good stuff. I guess real quickly, I will save the Coach K stuff and the NCAA stuff, and then and we will continue our journey down KU's roster for another time. I, I more so want to maybe touch on real quick here an article that popped up from ESPN just today. As I was preparing, it's the 40 under 40, not Forbes. This is ESPN's ranking of best young coaches in college basketball. And this more so is in tune with the discussion we had like two or three weeks ago when I said, if not Bill Self, who? And a a listener, I believe Ben, said um, Chris Beard at Texas Tech. Yeah, that'd be ideal. But if you're looking for a young up-and-comer, because again, who knows what will happen with Bill Self, Spurs, NBA keeps knocking, NCAA sanctions. Who knows, right? And I don't necessarily want to say that's a good candidate, that's not a good candidate, maybe interesting. I more so just want to make note of some of the names. So first and foremost, number two, they have Travis Steele, who's the head coach at Xavier. Interesting, because Xavier does tend to be a factory they are a feeding ground of some of the best young coaches in america you know keep your opinions post leaving xavier perhaps to yourself because at the times really interesting hires skip prosser went to wake forest was the best head coach they've had there for a while sorry dana manning thad mata did really good work at ohio state sean miller was the right hire when he went to arizona now it turns out he's a bit overrated and chris mack who just completed his first season at Louisville, had a really good year. It has them in the right direction. Number three is really interesting because it's Will Wade at LSU. They are under some fire. If they didn't have 
you know, the smoke around them? I'd say, yeah, for sure. But those wiretaps and what we saw in that HBO special, it's a little, it's, it's a little damning, and it, and it feels a little weird to have them at number three in the top 40 best young coaches. And again, that's a bit of a tough predicament to put yourself in because you need to find 40 really good coaches who are under 40. Now, number four is what really caught my eye. At 38 years old, they have Mike Boynton of Oklahoma State. And essentially, the entire premise and the entire stanza written by Mike, uh, Mike Boynton is predicated on him signing the number, the number one recruit in this past year's recruiting class, Cade Cunningham. Wow, what a boon. No pun intended on the late great Boone Pickens who funded Oklahoma State Athletics. But wow, what a coup, I should say. Oklahoma State? Are they back? You know, the days of Marcus Smart are back, LeBron Nash. <laughs> All those other good teams that had people thinking that Oklahoma State was a basketball school up until Mike Gundy came. Oh, wait a second. Cade Cunningham's brother is an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. Wow, you're such a good recruiter, Mike Boynton. You know, a program that's been in the bottom half of the Big 12 every year since he's been there, and they run an ineffective zone. So right after that, I sort of stopped paying attention to this list. Um, one last interesting name, John Shire, number nine, Duke assistant coach, appears to be in line to take over as the head coach at Duke. He's been recruiting like a madman, of course, granted. That might be with some aid. And I did want to quickly pull up number 21 at 39 years old, Jarence Howard, Kansas assistant. And his little bit here, essentially it doesn't talk about his coaching accolades so much as that he is a great recruiter, which he is. Every, ever since he came in, he had the reputation as a great recruiter. And so far, if it's not the big name guys or the top range guys, he and the staff have done a really good job of filling in the roster with program guys, and Kansas has maintained its place atop the Big 12 ever since he came in and been a national power. Just something, just some food for thought as we wind our way down. Um, again, thank you so much to everybody who listens. Spread the word to your friends, or at the very least, if you have multiple computers at home, just play this on silent over and over and over. Get those numbers up. Uh, we want to get this baby moving hopefully providing some entertainment in these unprecedented times. But apart from that, again, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, go for runs, hug some, well, no, don't hug someone unless you've been quarantined together. Otherwise, hug someone, pass some love around. We all need it during these times. Again, pass me your thoughts. I want to know who's seen G League action before. The gym I used to go to in happier times. For whatever reason, on the stationary bikes and the treadmills, their TV packages didn't have ESPN. But the local regional sports network that they did play did play uh, the local team and their G League team. So I have seen some action, and honestly, it was not compelling. <laughs> the most interesting thing about it was that the, the Lakers team has the younger brother for Giannis Antetokounmpo on, the, on it. And the reason that was compelling and that, the reason that was interesting is because he's, he's clearly being signed, not necessarily for his basketball ability. Look, you're a pro, you're being paid to play basketball, you're solid. But he's clearly on the team for one of two reasons. 
one, hopefully he does blossom into a younger version of his MVP brother. Probably not likely. There's a reason his brother is nicknamed the Greek freak because he's a once in a generation type talent or two to try to, to try to lure Giannis to the Lakers to be in the same organization as his brother. We'll see if it works. Other than that, I haven't found a reason to watch the G League. Even though there's a team, the G League affiliate for the Clippers, named after a casino, the Agua Caliente Clippers of Ontario, and not Canada, Inland Empire, California. So let me know. Interact. Um, as you've seen, I'll get you on the air. I'll read your comment. Have a little back and forth if you want. What else do we have better to do? I've been gaming a lot recently. But until next week, send me your topics. We'll continue our journey down KU's roster. Stay safe. And as always, Rock Chalk.